do you crave daily motivation and want valuable tips for dealing with the stress of type 1 diabetes? Sign up for our daily email and start your day with a practical type 1 diabetes and mental health tip delivered straight to your inbox. It's like a personal boost for your day, from me to you. And best of all, it's absolutely free. Don't wait. Go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip and subscribe today because every day with type 1 diabetes deserves a healthy start. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip. This podcast is brought to you by Ultra Rapid Acting Inhaled Insulin. We all know that type 1 diabetes is a 24-7 condition, and sometimes it can feel like a job. But what happens when type 1 diabetes also is your job? You're a healthcare provider or other person who works with people with type 1 diabetes every single day. It can be hard to set boundaries, and sometimes you may feel like your life is full of diabetes and you can't get away. Welcome to the Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast where we teach you how to build your type 1 diabetes stress management plan like a sailboat. You are the captain, your diabetes management is the hull, your mindset is the sails, your behavior is the rudder, and your support team is the crew. When you build your sailboat correctly, you will have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. And in this episode of the podcast, I coach a team of people from a clinic in Australia. Lauren, Cartier, and Jake all work in a diabetes clinic in Perth, Australia. And they all have the same challenge. They live with type 1 diabetes, they work with people with type 1 diabetes every single day, and sometimes they feel overwhelmed. In this episode, we talk about how they can use the sails of their sailboat, as well as our support crew, to help them find balance and to feel like they're able to do their job, manage their diabetes, and live their life all at the same time. If you work with people with type 1 diabetes, or you just feel overwhelmed by diabetes all the time, this episode will benefit you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast today. Uh, I'm excited to have this podcast episode because it's a little different than what we've done in the past. Um, in the past, we've had one person on uh, and me doing one-on-one coaching with them. And today we have a group of three folks on the podcast. Um, they're all from Australia, and they're all healthcare providers in a clinic um, in Australia. And all three of them with type, live with type 1 diabetes. And I'll let them introduce themselves, um, and then we'll dive into the challenge that they're having and how we can, how we can help them and best support them uh, as they're working through this challenge. So, Lauren, why don't you get started and tell us about you and your life with type 1 diabetes. Yes, so I'm Lauren. I've had type 1 for coming up for five years. Um, my mum also lives with type 1 diabetes, so type 1's been a big part of my life for a long time. Um, I've been working at PDC Health Hub in Perth um, for, oh, how long has it been? Maybe two, three years-ish, thereabouts. I'm the Health Promotion and Communications Manager. And I love my job, and it's the biggest silver lining to having diabetes. Um, if I hadn't been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, I wouldn't have ended up in this role. So, yeah, very grateful, and I love it. Yeah. How about you, Cartier? Yeah, so um, I've had type 1 for 25 years, um, 
it's been a massive journey. I really love all the technology that we have now. Thinking back to where I started, that's definitely my favourite part about the journey. Um, but in a professional role, I'm a pharmacist um, and I'm also a credentialed diabetes educator. So I've been working at PDC Health Hub since about, yeah, also two and a bit years. Um, and I actually did my credentialing process with them. So it's been this really lovely um, learning growth journey there where I started in the pharmacy and now moving off into the clinic. So it's been lovely. Yeah, and I'm Jake. Uh, so I've lived with type 1 diabetes for eight years uh, and also work with the team at PDC Health Hub in Perth. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think that my role mostly centres around lived experience and the way in which uh, those of us with diabetes have a, have a voice within the healthcare service provision. So I'm the Type 1 Diabetes Collective Chair, and uh, that's our diabetes peer support group for adults uh, living in Perth, and we host uh, regular events for education for people with diabetes, uh, as well as social events and, and informal gatherings for people uh, to get to better know others with diabetes. Um, and then the, the other hat that I wear is I, uh, I'm a care coordinator at PDC Health Hub as well. So that involves um, helping clients within the, within the service to, to better understand the services that are appropriate for them and how to best maximise um, the healthcare that they can access that we offer within the clinic. Oh, wonderful. And welcome all to the podcast. I'm, I'm really happy that you're here. And the challenge that we're talking about today is one that I can certainly appreciate and I know that you can and probably many of the listeners can as well. Because diabetes is an interesting condition and the, and the healthcare teams that work with us are, are, all, are all interesting because as, as I know personally, you know, from, from the work that I do is lots of people really want to see a clinician or work with people in the healthcare system who have type 1 diabetes. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of people come to me. Um, hopefully I'm also good at my job, but the, the, the fact that I had diabetes is helpful. But also, you know, we all four of us, we live with type 1 diabetes every single day, and we also work in the diabetes field. And sometimes it can feel like our lives are consumed by diabetes. I, I tell people sometimes jokingly that there are some days and some weeks where I talk to more people who have type 1 diabetes and who don't. And then when I talk to someone who doesn't have type 1 diabetes, I assume that they do, and it's, it, it gets confusing, and it can get overwhelming. And so I want to dive into... Um, you know, first of all, how this challenge, you know, shows up in your lives. Um, we also know that living with type 1 diabetes and working in the field can be a blessing because we, we, we can speak the language. We feel like we're making a big impact for our community that really matters to us. So we don't want to, don't want to brush aside the, the, the benefits of this, but certainly want to address the challenges and see how we can help you to think about this differently, behave differently, and maybe, you know, hopefully be able to find that separation between work and, home and diabetes and the, the confusion that can come and the overwhelm that can come there. So why don't, why don't you tell us about, you know, the challenge that you have um, or the biggest struggle that you have in working in the diabetes space and living with type 1 diabetes at home and how that plays out in your life? Lauren, why don't you get started? <laughs> oh, um, I think one of the biggest standouts to me is if I'm experiencing what I assume to be like diabetes burnout, like I'm just plodding along, getting through the day, um, quite over it. Mm -hmm. um, 
Like, there's just no escape from it. Like, there's obviously no escape from it because we live with it 24-7 every day. There's no holidays. But, yeah, I think just when I'm already struggling with diabetes and having to manage it and I'm just not in that great headspace about it, having to then go and work in the diabetes space and trying to help others with diabetes and um, advocating hard for change and, mm-hmm. yeah, just for helping others when I'm really over it myself can be quite challenging. Um, There's probably a better way to articulate that. I just don't quite have it at the moment. And I'm yeah. sure there's more ways it presents. So it's just, yeah. Sure. What about you, Jake? Yeah. There are some ways I feel pretty similar or at least I know that I'm getting um, uh, or putting my own care a little bit on the back burner and and I'll notice it most in myself when I'm walking around probably doing some tasks and and I find myself going, stop buzzing, buzzy. And it's because I've literally got my phone buzzing, my pump buzzing, and then, uh, you know, my watch buzzing as well. I'm like, rah! (laughs) But really what I need to do is, Take a moment, action the alarm, do something about it, go back to what you're doing. Yeah. Do you ever get triggered when you hear someone else's pump alarm go off? All the time. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's what is that alarm? Yeah. Uh, Are you triggered or are you confused? You know, whose is it? Or is it mine? Is it yours? Or is it just the, the, the emotional charge that comes along with, you know, hearing an alert and alarm go off and wondering, like, what do I need to do and how can I help this person? Or what's, it, what's happening yeah. for me? What would I do if I were in that in, the, in those shoes? Don't know. Yeah. If I got turn it off, like why? Because <laughs> I have most of my pump alarms on vibe right now because mm-hmm. got so sick of the constant noise and alarms and stuff with my pump. Um, yeah. yeah, I just kind yeah. of laugh where I'm like, oh, what? Are you doing a pump start in there because I can hear all the um, <laughs> alarms going off. Trees will be like, "Oh, sorry," like it's fine. It's just yeah. There has been one moment actually <laughs> where um, I think the ladies in reception were doing some book binding, and the the machine actually makes a similar beeping alarm. Mm-hmm. And there's been a few times where I've poked poked my head out my clinic door, going, "Is everyone all right? There is a pump and it's beeping, and it's like." regular <laughs> and they're like no no pump because they all know what the machine is and they haven't associated it but then when I realized I'm like ah book binder <laughs> yeah I'm curious when you're working with patients or when you're in your in your job you know whether it's working with patients or not do you feel like you have to put on a strong face that when you're having a really tough day that you can't really show that or that you can't let either your coworkers or or your patients know that what's going on for you and your blood sugars and your emotions? Or do you feel like you're, you're able and willing and, and do share that sort of information with them? And if you do or don't, how does that help or hurt? Yes, I, I do. Sorry, you go. Oh, I was going to say, I, I do feel um, not pressure um, because I think it's only a pressure that I put on myself, but um, mm-hmm. to be calm collected and in control most of the time so yeah yeah I did have um uh one appointment with a client where um again CGM uh vibrate alarm went off and uh they could see um my watch going (laughs) I'm like 
excuse me, let me just turn that off. <laughs> um, which, of course, then invites, oh, you have diabetes too. Yes, I do. <laughs> but, um, yes, of course, then it's a bit like, well, this session is about you, not about me. So let's move back to where we were and keep going. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing yeah, is that, yes, of course, the session is about the the client or the patient. However, I think that in my experience, having them know that you understand their struggles and that, you know, that they, they can, mm. they can bond with you because of the alarms and alarms going off. Hopefully, and I think the skill there is deflecting it back so that they can certainly appreciate what you're going through, but also making sure that you're focused on them and that they're not focusing on you and have the roles reversed in that situation, which can be unhealthy for lots of reasons. Yeah, that's it. Like, I'm actually really happy to share. Um, and I know often, uh, you know, others will share that I have diabetes as well, which is um, fine by me. But, yes, I'm always a little bit wary of that line between, um, you know, this is their appointment and it's for them rather than, you know, let me tell you about all the ways I can relate to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this isn't a, it's a, not a, a mutual venting session. It never, it never yeah. should be. Although acknowledging the challenges is one thing, but then, you know, engaging in a conversation mm. about your own challenges is not, is not healthy. No, yeah. Yeah. What about for you, Jake? How has this shown up in your, in your work or in your role, especially with doing community support and peer support with people with diabetes? Because this is, you're, you're balancing that line between being the coordinator and the administrator person as well as the person with diabetes, as well as the person who is facilitating the peer support program. And that can be confusing, I would imagine. Absolutely, it can be. Um, I think think the major things that I find with it is, I mean, I'm echoing exactly what Lauren and Katia have said as well, but I think this grappling with the idea of living with diabetes and being the one trying to run the, the peer support sessions. And I think part of that involves this acknowledgement that Obviously, there's the shared experience and this lived experience that we all get at what living with diabetes is like, irrespective of the way that we manage it and, and, uh, things regarding that. But there's this, this almost unwritten rule of having to show up for your diabetes and for everyone else's diabetes, which we know sometimes can be the hardest decision to make when, when everything's gone wrong and, and the last thing you want to be doing is showing up for diabetes. Um, particularly when when your own management you're really struggling with or you've just had a, a, a quite a difficult day um i feel there's always this expectation as as the leader of the group that i have to be getting it right and i have to be showing that my blood sugars are amazing because i have to be showing that it's that it's possible and to do all these roles um so i find that something i really grapple with and then then to kind of counter that in in my other role when i'm not at pdc health hub i'm a full-time medical student so I'm mostly in the hospitals or GP practices. And as we know how common diabetes is, I, I see diabetes every single day, whether it's my diabetes or someone else's. And there's often that balance of of how much do I share when this is this is relevant or not relevant and how much do I talk about management when it maybe isn't appropriate, um, thinking if, if the roles were reversed, how much would I want someone else to delve into their personal life with me? So I think it's this constant challenge of, of how do we grapple with showing up for diabetes, but also acknowledging that diabetes is hard work and sometimes the best thing you can do is take a break from it. Yeah, and I, as I'm hearing you guys 
all three of you speak about your experience, a, a couple of things come to mind and a couple of ways that I want to throw out there to, you know, think about how to support you. So as you know, we talk about the five pillars of, of stress management diabetes. And the, the, the two that stand to me here are one is your mindset and those the, the sales of the sailboat. And the next is your crew and your support team and how that works. And, and specifically around that is, are the boundaries that you set for yourself with yourself and with your own diabetes, with your self-disclosure, um, with your family and friends who do or who, who may or may not have diabetes. And then also, um, how you engage and support yourself, um, and take care of yourself, which is a critical part of diabetes management, but especially the critical part of diabetes and mental health. So, uh, uh, several of you talked about how you feel like you need to, sh- you need to show about what, show up and talk about and, and be an example of what's possible, um, with diabetes. And I know I can absolutely identify that w- with that for sure. Um, both in terms of the words that we use and, and the way that we talk about it, but also in the actions and all, as well as in our blood sugars. And there's that combination of, factors. And I think that talking about it is easy. And certainly the actions are, is not always easy, but easier. But then when your blood sugars are, you know, up and down and all around, um, then you kind of feel like a fraud. (laughs) You you can feel like, you know, how can I be giving people advice or even being an example if this is what's happening for me today or this month or this year? Uh, And so, but, but I want to challenge you there and think about this, that that's a mindset issue. That, that's really, you know, that, that's a belief that you have that I have to be perfect all the time or that in, or, in order to be a good at my job as a pharmacist or as a care coordinator or as a peer support coordinator, I have to be perfect in my diabetes management. And I will say that you know, objectively, that's not a true statement. Um, it feels true, but it's not a true statement. And, and in fact, you know, you know, good enough sometimes with diabetes is, is good enough. And I think, and especially as a healthcare provider or healthcare, someone working in the healthcare field, um, recognizing that and being able to really buy into that actually not only helps you, but it's a great example for your for your patients to be able to see, wow, this person lives with diabetes, they're doing the best that they can, they're doing well most of the time, but they're struggling as well, and that, that makes it that normalizes it for them. But you know, I'm I'm curious as I'm talking, do you can can you see how? that that mindset of I must be perfect or I must be this example all the time. Um, while it makes sense, it's also not it's set, it's setting you up to fail um, if you really buy into it and if you really, really move move in that direction. When thinking about expanding your diabetes management toolkit, you may not be thinking about insulin. There haven't been a lot of new insulins to put in your toolbox. Sure, there are different brands but nothing really unique when it comes to insulin delivery, except for Afreza. Afreza, insulin human inhalation powder, is unique because it's the only ultra-rapid-acting inhaled insulin available. It's a man-made, orally-inhaled insulin and is used to control high blood sugar in adults with diabetes without the need for mealtime insulin injections. Once you inhale Afreza into your lungs using the inhaler, It will start reducing your blood sugar in about 12 minutes, and it's out of your bloodstream within 1.5 to 3 hours, depending on the dose. Keep in mind that Afreza must be used with basal insulin in people who have type 1 diabetes. To learn more about inhaled insulin, visit www.afreza.com. 
That's A-F-R-E-Z-Z-A dot com. Afreza is a rapid-acting inhaled insulin used to control high blood sugar in adults with diabetes mellitus. Afreza may cause serious side effects, including sudden lung problems, low potassium, and heart failure. Afreza is not for patients with chronic lung disease, such as asthma or COPD. Tell your doctor if you smoke, recently stopped smoking, have ever had kidney or liver problems, a history of lung cancer, or if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. Most common side effects are low blood sugar, cough, and sore throat. Severe low blood sugar can be fatal. Do not replace basal insulin with Afreza. Afreza is not for use to treat diabetic ketoacidosis. Do not take Afreza if you are allergic to insulin. Talk to your doctor before changing your Afreza dose. Blood sugar may need to be checked more frequently. I'm curious, if, if we had a magic wand, which I don't necessarily have, not at least right now, um, and we were able to take that expectation of yourself off of, your, off of you, that, that you have to be perfect or that your alarm can't go off during an appointment or that you have to mm-hmm. show up and, and show people what's possible, both, both with your words, with your actions, as well as, well as with, your, with your CGM data. Um, if, that, if that was lifted from you, how would that be helpful or would it be helpful? I think it's important to have um, yeah that understanding of um, yeah like we will put a lot of this pressure on ourselves to be perfect and to have the right numbers and to be able to show people that you can do this stuff with diabetes mm-hmm. but I think we also are pretty well grounded enough that we know that it's not all unicorn days and perfect numbers and yeah Yeah, absolutely and I think um you know that um situation with my client that day when I did stop and and action the alarms they didn't mind in the slightest so yeah it probably is just remembering that do you know what just do that people really don't mind yeah I think it's interesting this feeling of having having different goalposts for yeah. one being ourselves living with diabetes and two being either the person that we're in the consult with or the people that we're interacting with in a group setting. Mm-hmm. There's this expectation, I think, particularly as the person living with diabetes ourselves, we feel like we have to have perfect blood sugars and, and be this role model. But then there's that complete understanding when we share within the group setting or, or within a consult that that's completely unrealistic, but there's these complete double standards we have with ourselves, I find. Yeah, I mean, you absolutely. Know it, <laughs> yeah. And, and, one, and just one thing that I've done, and I'm not, mm-hmm. nec- I'm not at all suggesting that you, you, that you do this, um, but one thing that's been helpful for me, because I, I deal with the same thing, is feeling like, feel like a fraud. I feel like I have a double standard when I'm, you know, when I'm not doing well, but I'm talking, talking to patients about how they, it would be helpful if they did better. Is I started actually posting my time in range every week on Instagram. And this is both for me and, and, and also for other people. But I, but I'll say that part of it is selfish because I want, I, I want to keep myself accountable to being open and recognizing that sometimes it, things aren't well, things aren't, things aren't good. Uh, and I'm, and I'm struggling. Um, not, I don't want any sympathy. I want, but I want to keep myself grounded and thinking and saying, I'm not trying to be perfect all the time. I'm taking that pressure off of me. And I think the first week I did it, um, my timing range was around 70%. 
And the next week I went on vacation. And for lots of reasons, including being on vacation, but also my pump failed and a bunch of other stuff happened. My time and range was like 54%. And I put it up there and I remember putting it up there and being a little bit embarrassed, um, a little bit, being a little bit like, and feeling like I, I had, was trying to live up to that double standard as well. And when I did it, once I was able to do it and rip that bandaid off, it actually really helped a lot. Help help me to recognize, yes, I'm going to have those good days, those good weeks and bad weeks or challenging weeks and, and not so challenging weeks, however you want to phrase it. Um, but it took a pressure off of me to, to, for, and to, to, to have anybody expect that my glucose control, or I'm actually, I'm not going to use the con- word control, but my glucose values are um, perfect in any way. And that's okay. And that really what's more important for me and my mental health is my actions of what I'm able to do no matter what my blood sugars are. Certainly if I'm feeling bad, then that's going to be, may it be a challenge, but that I can still show up in my work and in my, in everything that I do, no matter what my blood sugars are doing um, in that time. But the other thing I, I wanted, think, oh, go ahead. Sorry. So I was going to say, I think that Jake and Katia probably are the same, but yeah, I feel like that's what we try to do as well like we try not to just it's not just the highlight reel that we're sharing like we try to share the literal highs and lows and the challenges that we deal with and I know personally like I do that to help others who also live with diabetes so they know it's not all like rainbows and unicorns all the time it is Mm -hmm. hard work and I have some great conversations with people when I share that stuff on my personal Instagram um like we have great conversations around like how tough it's been or yeah, just diabetes in general. Um Yeah. But Sorry. like with any with any success and with any any um thing that helps us, it also can make things challenging. And that's the next topic I want to go into is is boundaries because we're all mm-hmm. talking about, you know, so let's share our blood sugars and, and be open mm-hmm. about them at work and at home and all kinds of things. But that actually and that I mean, that's healthy in lots of ways. But at the same time, it can continue this this cycle of ha- making it feel like your life is all about diabetes. And I'm curious um, when, you know, I don't know anything about your personal lives, but at home, whether you're living with roommates or a spouse or a partner, um, you know, what, I'm curious, are you able to separate diabetes at home? Not not necessarily your diabetes management. We know we're, you're, you're paying attention to that, but conversations and top and how you're interacting with with the people that you live with and the people in your in your life outside of work are you able to separate diabetes there in terms of the constant thinking and communication about it and with with um, other people unlike what you're able to do at work absolutely i think i'm pretty privileged that um i have a exceptionally close uh friendship group um and they all know a significant amount about my diabetes and my diabetes management, I would definitely trust all of them to take the right actions if I ever needed help or had a bad hypo or, you know, something like that. They've always got my back. Um, But catching up with them is always just very normal, you know. So it's um, this unspoken comfort. It's catching up with them is definitely never about diabetes um but yeah it's it's great knowing that they know so much about it great i'm glad i'm glad to hear that i think that one of the things we need to think about when we think about support with diabetes and we think about your support crew 
um, is I think oftentimes people think about letting people in and like, wait, okay, well, I, I need more support. And Jake, you could probably identify this, you know, given, given the role that you have is, you know, you're thinking about support. We want to let people in and, and, and get that support. But I think an important thing that we oftentimes forget about is actually keeping people out and, or, or keeping people out mm-hmm. or, and, or keeping topics of conversation, you know, uh, carving them out so that you can be with your friends and not have to not have to talk about diabetes all the time, either giving yourself permission not to, and or letting people know in your life if they want, if they're asking about if they hear your alarm go off, and they're asking about it, letting them know that's not something that you have taken care of. And that's that's something you want to talk about. I think those boundaries can be really helpful, especially in this situation, in protecting you and keeping you in a place where it doesn't feel like diabetes is taking over your life any more than it has to. You're not thinking about it and talking about it at at home and in your in your social life in a way that you don't want to, unless of course things are going wacky and you're having to take care of yourself, and that's that's certainly a boundary you have to set with yourself as well. But those boundaries can be super helpful, I think. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious um, how Lauren and, and Jake you set those boundaries at home, and if you're successful there, or if there's some work to do that would help you um, in. I, I, I was thinking about it, how, how you're dealing with your job and how that all plays together. You can go first, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this is something I I like to think I do reasonably well, but um, I think every situation calls for something slightly different. In mm-hmm. terms of in my my home life, I'm the only one in my family with type one, um, and so I think there's this understanding of the fact that I'm the one that truly gets what obviously living with the condition is like and everyone in my family is very supportive of that and there's never any judgment or or um, misunderstanding around if my blood sugars are high or low or anything like that. There's never any blame or anything in that situation, which is fantastic. Um, and th- there's nothing but support in terms of that. I think where I sometimes maybe fall into trouble or struggle a little bit more it can be within my friends group um Mm. and so like i said i go to medical school so most of my friends are uh at medical school with me and there's this this double-edged sword of they've got a lot of medical knowledge and they know what diabetes is from a healthcare perspective but there's no lived experience and so there's this constant battle of i know they're being supportive asking how my blood sugars are going and if if i need any help or anything like that but there's a certain degree of um i think separation there that needs to happen with we can be friends just as friends and you don't need to try and be my doctor as well. Um, and I know it comes from, from a really good place because they're, they're just concerned and, and want to make sure I'm okay. Um, and I, I oftentimes feel this, this real struggle of like, you don't need to know what my blood sugars are. If I'm low, I'll let you know, or if I need help. Um, yeah, I think I find that there's this constant, um, having to explain myself or having to reason why my blood sugars are the way they are to people. Yeah. I think the other part of it, Jake and, and, and all of you is setting boundaries with yourself. And I think that's one of the things, places where we oftentimes forget. And it's so helpful for our mental health to be able to set boundaries for ourselves around, well, lot, lots of things. Our blood sugars being kind of the, the most obvious one of, you know, so for example, uh, you know, so I, one, one piece of advice I give people is to, if, you, if you're using a CGM, and you're you're sleeping. Put the CGM, put the receiver, whether it's your phone or a separate receiver, 
across the room or even in a different room. So the CGM will do its job. It will will alert you if you go too high or too low. But other than that, it's not going to be. There's no temptation to uh, to reach over and look at it and make diabetes more consuming for you. Also, in things in in what you eat and what you talk about and how how much you think about diabetes. Certainly, sometimes there's not there's no way around it. But setting yourself up for success in that way can be a great boundary, especially for those of us who work in the in this this setting where work is diabetes, home is diabetes as much as it has to be, and then trying to kind of how do we carve out time and protect ourselves so that we can refresh and and, and recognize that we are. We are more than our diabetes because we all are. Everybody listening here is, um, and that that recognition is so so important. And, and really, really um, getting evidence of that is so important. And setting boundaries with yourself is a critical part of this of this process as well of supporting yourself because you certainly are the the captain of your diabetes management team, but you're also hopefully one of your biggest supporters uh, of your uh, yeah well, yeah one of your own biggest supporters, which is is critical here. So, yeah, I think we probably talked for hours about this because it's certainly a challenge that that we all deal with and that um, there's there's no easy answer to. But I think that, you know, remembering, I think that the two pieces of advice I'm going to give you are, you know, setting your expectations and, and reframing your mindset about what is required of you um, in terms of your blood sugars, in terms of your ability to support your patients. You know, certainly those are two separate uh, separate issues, as well as how can you protect yourself, set boundaries with yourself, with other people in your life, so that when you're when you're not at work, you're able to live a normal life and not feel like diabetes is coming and crashing down on you and taking over your life. So, anyway, it's been a pleasure to have all three of you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me from Australia. As I know, it's early morning there, as well as late afternoon here in California, and um, I'm looking forward to coming to Australia next month to. Um, to experience the, the world down under. So again, thank you for joining me and look forward to um, connecting again soon. Thanks thank so much you. for having us. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. See you next month. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action that you can use starting today in your life to reduce the stress of type 1 diabetes. And today your plan of action is check your mindset and take action to change your mindset especially if you feel you have to be perfect in your diabetes management. To do this, I want you to share your blood sugar struggles. Show somebody else your time and range, especially when it's not where you want it to be. Be vulnerable and see their reaction, but more importantly, see your own reaction. See that it's okay not to be perfect in your life with type 1 diabetes. And from that, you will find the freedom and peace of mind you're looking for. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat so you can have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.